Welcome back to the show, everyone. It's Dina Kalmet here in Susan Davis with Jesus 24-7. And today we're going to continue in the series, Revelation for Beginners, and we're going to start at chapter 13. So Susan, welcome back. Well, thanks so much, Dina. It's great to be back and to talk about this one amazing book, Revelation. It is absolutely an amazing book. It's fantastic and mysterious at the same time, but you're going to help clear that up for us today. Well, we're trying. This is what we're doing. We're trying to approach this from a perspective of people who might have struggled with this book in the past or maybe didn't even crack it open because they had such an opposition to it. And so we are just trying to go through it very carefully and talk about it and try to pull back some of the mystery of it and make it more uh, user-friendly. And that's why we call it Revelation for Beginners. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to give a lot of background information and pull up some scriptures to coordinate with the scriptures in Revelation because you really need the whole rest of the Bible to really understand this book. And so that's a lot of what we're doing here. And so just to give a quickie background, the book of Revelation is basically a past, present, and future. Past being chapter one, when John, the disciple John of Jesus, who is found on Patmos, the Isle of Patmos, many years after he witnesses Jesus uh, after his resurrection in the earth, and so John is there, he's in jail for his testimony of Jesus Christ, and this is where Jesus appears to him and gives him one amazing revelation, also known as a vision of the things to come. Chapters 2 and 3, you will find present tense. It's Jesus addressing the seven churches. We call it the church age, which is what we are in right now. And then we proceed into chapter 4 and 5, which is the future. So we have past, present, and future. Chapter 4 and 5 is takes place in heaven. We find John in heaven seeing the raptured church along with the dead in Christ who rise before the raptured church, which is the elders who receive their crowns. And then five is when we see them throw the crowns at Jesus's feet. And John witnesses Jesus come forward to open the seals. And then six is the beginning of the 21 judgments also known as the seals being opened, which would be the seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bowls or vials. And when you add that up, it comes to 21 judgments, and that's why they call it that. And so from 6 to 22, or excuse me, 6 through 19, we see is the Bible here talks all about something we call a seven-year tribulation. Now, here's the interesting part where things get interesting. From chapter 6 through 11, we see a whole lot going on about tribulation, which includes even the 144,000 witnesses. We see a lot about that in the four horses of the apocalypse starting at chapter 6. But, believe it or not, it comes to a close of that period. It 
chapter 11. And then when we hit chapter 12, it's a rerun of the same period of time, the seven-year tribulation, only it's from a whole different angle or perspective. And I liken it to the four Gospels. Explain it that way because we all understand the four Gospels in the New Testament are all telling basically the same story of Jesus's life, crucifixion and resurrection, but it's done from four different perspectives, four different angles of the same story. And so that's kind of what's going on here in Revelation. So chapter 6 to 11 is the same time frame that chapters 12 through 19 is, only it's two different perspectives. And so that's kind of where we are with it, Dina. Alrighty then. So we're going to go ahead and take a look at verse 1 in chapter 13. Now, chapter 13, Dina, is about the Antichrist and the false prophet. We are introduced to them at this juncture, and it's going to be very interesting as we get more details about these two characters, okay? Mm-hmm. And this is very symbolic. Oh, yeah. The visionary. It, that, right, and that's another one of the struggles of understanding revelation the main theme of revelation by the way is god was god is and god will be and we see that all throughout the book of revelation it's it's sort of the theme of revelation Mm -hmm. but i want to point out for everybody's notes that here's how it works in chapter 13 verses 1 through 10 discuss the antichrist And then we go to verses 11 on, we're we're seeing more information about the false prophet. Now, who are these two guys in particular? Well, the enemy, who is Satan, has a propensity to want to copy God. And we'll see that more and more as we get further into this book. But he's a much of a copycat And because he wants to be as God. And so he has created for himself his own, like the Godhead has Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so Satan has set up his own evil trinity, which is Satan as, you know, copying like the Father and the Antichrist copying like Christ, only the Antichrist. And the false prophet is copying like the Holy Spirit, so to speak. So that's how that works. So we're going to see that the two beasts uh, that we see referred to in this are the Antichrist and the false prophet. And the Antichrist is, he's known as the one that's over the political world, the, the one world government, governing the world in the future. And then the false prophet is more of a spiritual and he's he's like an anti I mean you could have called him the anti holy spirit just like antichrist anti holy spirit mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's more of the opposite of the holy spirit in the religious you know when you look at it from a religious perspective okay so anyway that's one way to look at it but let's take a look at verse 1 as we go forward and i stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns and upon his horns ten crowns and upon his heads the name of blasphemy and so we're going to get into more detail on this more as we get into the book about 
what this is all about. But we one thing to note is this beast is Antichrist here in verse 1. Mm-hmm. And those ten horns mentioned, we're going to see later in Scripture that those ten horns are also have crowns on them. So we've got crowns on the heads, and we have crowns on the horns, and <laughs> it makes for a lot of interesting stuff, okay? That's why it starts to get a little bit mind-boggling, but you just kind of have to try to follow along. Also, I want to note, just for reference purposes, I think it's really interesting that since this is chapter 13, that a lot of people use 13 in the occult, by the way. And I think that's related to the fact that chapter 13 is all about the Antichrist and the false prophet. And so they use that number 13 for occult uh, references. Just and, thought I'd throw that in there. And 13 has usually been referred to as the unlucky number. Right. Like there are even some buildings that don't even have a 13th floor. Like their elevator will not stop at the 13th floor. Right. Right. You think of Friday the 13th and stuff like that. and, uh, And on and on. So we see that we need the rest of the Bible to understand and comprehend this book, Revelation. And so we're going to have to look at Daniel to understand some of what's going on right here in this chapter. So basically, the ten horns here listed are actually ten Western nations, Dina, and they happen to be part of the old Roman Empire. And so we're going to get into that. But here's what we're get, we've got to do a little business on the side. We've got to go back into Daniel to get this okay mm-hmm. so i'm going to read from daniel chapter 2 and i'm going to read from verses 27 through 36 now i'm not going to list the verses for the sake of time i'm just going to read this passage so here we go it says daniel answered in the presence of the king and said the secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men the astrologers the magicians the soothsayers show unto the king okay So leading up to this time, there was a dream that the king referenced here is Nebuchadnezzar. Remember Nebi in the Mm. Old Testament? Mm -hmm. Yes. And he would have these dreams and he would come to his soothsayers and magicians for answers about his dreams. And then there was a time where there was a dream that nobody could tell him what it meant or even guess at it until Daniel shows up. And so that's the section we're in. And it goes on to say, But there is a God in heaven that revealed secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. So thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. Now that's Daniel talking to king Nebuchadnezzar. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed, what should come to pass hereafter? And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation to the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. And this great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. 
Okay, in the dream that Nebuchadnezzar has, he sees this statue. Now, this statue is one amazing dream because this is foretelling the history of the world as far as world leaders and kingdoms. So this is one prophetic dream that Nebuchadnezzar has and that uh, Daniel actually reveals the meaning. This is prophecy, like, wow, amazing prophecy. So let's take a look. We're going back into the scripture, and it says, This image's head was of fine gold. Okay, the head here on this statue of the fine gold is Nebuchadnezzar himself, who is the king of the, of the Babylonian Empire. Okay, and that's what we see right there. And the gold... For some reason, God uses the different metals and elements because I think it represents, you know, that those kingdoms were had the ability to make things in these metals, and that was the reference there. Mm-hmm. Because the different kingdoms have different kinds of elements. For Babylonians, it was gold. They must have made a lot of things in gold, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then we move on to this image. We see his breast and his arms of silver. Okay, the duality of the breast and the arms is purposeful, and they're of silver on this statue because it represents the Persian and the Medes. And we see King Darius of Persia and King Cyrus of the Medes and they got together to take over the Babylonians. And that's what happened. It was the Persian Medes that took over and moved in. And this is exactly one of the most fascinating things why Daniel was such an interesting character. Because he maintained a position of somewhat some power within these kingdoms that transitioned. So God blessed him and always helped him because not only was he finding favor at times with Nebuchadnezzar, he also was able to get along with Darius and Cyrus, who took over from Nebuchadnezzar. He was definitely highly favored. Oh, yeah. And that really spoke volumes about his integrity. Wouldn't you think, Dina? Absolutely, yes. And so, but now we see the Persian Medes kingdom as a kingdom of silver. So they must have had a lot of focus on silver at that point. So then we move on to this statue, and his belly and his thighs are of brass. And so that, Dina, denotes the Greek, which we've heard a lot about Greek mythology and things of that nature. And they took over this kingdom of the Persian Medes. And so there's a kind of ongoing takeover, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So brass denotes the era of the Greeks. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this because I can, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And I want to just say something about this period of this significant period of the Greeks. And do you remember a guy by the name of Alexander the Great? Does that name sound familiar? Yes, yes. Well, this is interesting. Because Alexander the Great was a very young man when he got it in his head to conquer some great land masses. And how did he do it? Well, actually, he did it with elephants. 
Isn't that interesting? <laughs> that is very interesting. Right. He would show up with these huge elephants, and they had a quite an army. And they were quite successful because they moved from Greece all the way through Asia and conquered. And he conquered so much, he ran out of things to conquer. And <laughs> he was actually a, quite a heathen because he died of syphilis. That's what they say, anyway. But uh, what is fascinating about Alexander the Great is this. Remember in the Bible, it talks about Jesus came in the fullness of time? Mm -hmm. Well, that fullness of time was after Alexander had conquered from, the, from Greece all the way through Asia. Because the Greek language then spread throughout all that area. And so this coincides with the gospel, which came to the Jews first, because it always goes through the Jews first, the Hebrews, and then it moves on to the Gentiles. You see what I'm saying? The gospel. Mm -hmm. And so the gospel could not remain isolated to that small group of the Hebrews. In order to go into the world, it would have to be moved in another form. And that was through the Greek language, which Alexander the Great had conquered so much landmass that he was, that language was spread. And that was how the gospel then moved throughout the world. Isn't that interesting? That is fascinating. So God had that all worked out. And the timing was all perfect. And that's exactly why one of the reasons Jesus came at that exact moment. And so when people see leaders doing things, believe me, God is in charge 100% all the time. Always in charge of what's going on and why things are happening the way they are. That's and right. so we can even look at the things going on around us in the world now and understand even that God is in charge of completely. Just want to mention that section on Greece represented by the belly and the thighs in brass. Okay, so next we see the legs of iron. And that right there represents the Roman Empire, which was uh, took over the Greek Empire. And so you can see the transition from empire to empire to empire. And the Roman Empire, for some reason, is represented by iron. And then we go on and we see his feet as actually part of iron and part of clay. And by the way, this is in reference to future tense, uh, the kingdom to come, which we will now uh, see coming together under the rule of the Antichrist, which is like the one world government, one world religion, okay? And the Roman Empire was not taken over by another kingdom because it fell because of its own... I guess you could say internal corruption would be one way to look at it. They were just corrupt and eventually fell, but it wasn't because they were taken over like the other kingdoms. So we'll just make a note of that. But we can see that the ten toes on this statue have iron and clay. It has the iron in it because it is the revival of the Roman Empire. And so that's what that represents. So the two legs of iron that we see actually represent the two main areas of Rome, which is Constantinople and Rome. 
And so that's where their leading headquarters were. So that's kind of how we can take a look at this. And so in the, in the end, the 10 toes represent the world power of the 10 Western nations. And so going to get into this deeper. But the whole point is there's a whole lot that we don't know 100% yet because it's yet to happen. And a lot of what people do right now is just merely speculation about what all this means, right? Very true, yes. Okay, so we, if we go back into Daniel again in chapter 2, verse 36 through 44, it says, And in the days of these kings, and there are ten of them, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. So Daniel goes on to reveal that even these ten toes will not survive. These, <laughs> The ten toes, the ten nations that represent the kingdom of the Antichrist through Nebuchadnezzar's dream and interpretation of the dream, that would be the one world government also, which is under the promotion of the one world religion. And so I hope I'm making some sense here. Absolutely. <laughs> Very complex for some people, but I'm trying to try to make it as understandable as possible. You're doing a good job of it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, it's a little bit complex, but we have to go back to look at Daniel and that fantastic dream that Nebi had that revealed so much of what was to come. And so let's take a look at verse two. Now we're still in this section where we're learning about the Antichrist. And the beast, which I saw, was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Okay, so that is some of the information that we derive from that is from John. And this is what he's seen uh, is going on, talking about these nations, these kingdoms that we mentioned before. And so I think we have to go back to Daniel again to get another perspective on the same thing. This is where we find the Bible being so amazing because it supports itself through Scripture, past tense and future. So we see a book about the future, Revelation, being supported in an Old Testament study all the way back into Daniel chapter 7, verses 1 through 14. Now, I'm not going to read the scripture references for the sake of time, so just follow along. It says, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed, and he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. And I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked. And it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man. And a man's heart was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second like to a bear, and is raised up itself on one side. And it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said, Thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, 
which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. And after this I saw in night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces, and and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool his throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as a burning fire a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him thousands and thousands ministered unto him ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him the judgment was set and the books were opened i beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake i beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame as concerning the rest of the beasts they had their dominion taken away yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time i saw the night visions and i behold one like the son of man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him and there was given him dominion glory and a kingdom that all people nations and languages should serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed okay wow that is a whole mouthful and a lot going on there that daniel sees in this incredible dream and really he's just seen the future open up right before him and these are different kingdoms when we see the reference to the lion the bear and the leopard and then finally we see the little horn and that's in reference to the antichrist Mm -hmm. and he goes on to say i considered the horns and behold there came up among them another little horn okay so the horns are these kingdoms and then we see the little horn which is the antichrist And it goes on to say there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. And he also mentions that the fourth beast, who is the Antichrist, is dreadful, terrible, strong exceedingly, and great iron teeth. I think that's very interesting because we just talked about that in the iron represents Rome and The one world government is going to be the Roman Empire revived. And so that's where the reference of iron is in reference to. So it all sort of coordinates here. And definitely, I believe that uh, this is definitely an area that you want to take your notes and go back and reread and study alongside the scripture here, verse 2, where we see the kingdoms. And so we know what these empires are. So the empires are Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome, which are represented by these animals. And that's exactly what's going on here. And finally, the Antichrist is number four, the beast. And so in verse three, we got to keep moving. We're going ahead. 
and I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Okay, we've heard of before, the Antichrist dies, and then he rises again. And that's where we see this right here in this verse 3. But we also see reference to that wound, Dina, in verse 12. He just so sounds take... he just sounds like a copycat right now. Uh-huh. Right, <laughs> right. Right. So let's take a look at verse 12 and the same chapter. And it says, And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And then again, if you look into verse 14, it says, And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. Okay, it's very possible, Dina, mm -hmm. that the timing of this wound this deadly wound that the Antichrist has is at the midpoint of the tribulation. And why would I say this? Because it's very possible that the Antichrist, who is a man, dies. And when he's resurrected, we know he comes back, which that's when people really start worshiping him because they are so dumbfounded by his resurrection. Okay, it's entirely possible that he's resurrected as Satan himself, that Satan moves right into him and takes over his body. Mm -hmm. That he'll be indwelt with Satan. Yes, I can totally see that happening. Right. And that we're not just dealing with the man, Antichrist, who is demon possessed, but literally Satan himself, who is uh, within him. Yes. And yes, I, I believe that that's what that is leading to. And so at that juncture is going to be the worst nightmare of the world when you have Satan like running the show at that point. And that right there could be exactly when the Great Tribulation kicks in at that juncture. Because at the same time, we saw in the last chapter 12, if you go back into 12, you'll see that when Satan was thrown to the earth from the heavens which he was the prince of the power of the air, then we can see that he's mad, okay? <laughs> he's an angry he's an angry devil, <laughs> and he's on the earth, and now he's, he's moved into the Antichrist and taken over. And boy, this is when we see the Great Tribulation, as referred to in the Bible. It's the last three and a half years, and it says that the devil knows that he's got a short time left and he is one angry devil okay and so we go on to see more about this in verse four and they worshiped the dragon which gave power unto the beast and they worshiped the beast saying who is like unto the beast who is able to make war with him so the question is who is able to take him on and they worshiped the dragon, that's Satan, who gave power to the beast, and then they worship the beast. So it's very, very likely that the Antichrist, the man, the Antichrist is no longer there, and that he has been completely taken over by the devil at that point. 
And so verse 5 goes on to talk about, and it says, And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And so this forty and two months is exactly in reference to three and a half years, which would be the tribulation, which verifies that the tribulation is a seven-year period, because if you double three and a half years, you get seven years. And if it's a midpoint of that seven years, it has to be a seven-year period. And this is going to be one of the worst times on earth in history. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because as in, we saw in chapter 12, Satan goes from being in the heavenly realms, where he was able to communicate with God in heaven and he's been thrown down to the earth and so now we see him take over this antichrist and so verse 6 goes on and he opened his mouth in blasphemy against god to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven so he is one angry devil okay at this point wow And wow, if there was ever a testimony to get your life together, it would be right now. Do this now. Do not wait. Yeah, (laughs) you monopoly. You don't 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 pass go. (laughs) Don't worry about the two (laughs) hundred dollars. Do not. Just keep going. (laughs) Get out of jail. (laughs) Okay. And so let's go to verse seven. And what were you going to say, Dina? Well, I was going to agree with you and say, you know. You don't want to be here during this time, you know, during the great tribulation. And what better of time to surrender your life to Christ than today, you know? Right, right. I mean, who wants to live through Satan on earth? Nobody. (laughs) Not me. I'll tell you that right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's go with verse 7. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. So, wow, we've got these people who are the followers of Jesus who are here in this seven-year tribulation period. They would be here because they did not make the rapture, Dina, because if they had made the rapture back in chapter 4, then they wouldn't be facing this at this point. But here they are. We see them. If we go into, let's take a look at chapter 7 of Revelation. It talks about this group. It says they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And they also are the same who refuse the mark of the beast, which is mentioned in chapter 20, verse Mm 4. And then we see them again in chapter 12, verse 11, that they overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Okay, so they have to do the hard thing, but they will remain faithful to the Lord, even through this most difficult period called the Great Tribulation. So let's go forward to verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. And so we know that the Lamb right there is in reference to Jesus. Okay, this group... We see them, John talks about this group and mentions them, and he says, I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God 
and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Okay, we find that in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. So these guys, these, we call them the tribulation saints, will have to pay the price of their own life, but they will prevail over the enemy because mm-hmm. they will refuse to take his mark and to worship him. Okay, you see that? Amen. Okay, verse 9 says, if any man have an ear, let him hear. And I think that must mean a spiritual ear, okay? Yeah. <laughs> spiritual hearing, Okay. Verse 10, he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Okay, and then verse 11, and I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb. Okay, so now we're switching gears. This is about another beast. This is not the political one world government antichrist this is the religious one world religion false prophet okay we could almost call him the anti-holy spirit okay <laughs> well yeah he definitely is he will be right right and he is a character who represents something i call the ecumenical church Okay, and so for anybody who's ever heard that terminology, it's just a big old fancy reference for a one world religion where, you know, it's a coexist. All these religions get together and, you know, they all have, it's kind of like the whole Oprah concept. There are many paths to God. Remember? Yes, uh, yes, yes. Many teachings on that. Many ways to God, yes. Many ways to God. And also, by the way, the concept that there is only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ, is a concept of intolerance to this ecumenical church, okay? They don't like that. They don't like it at all. They want you to believe that there are many different routes to God, many ways to get to God, when the Bible is very clear there's only one way to God, the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ, and that's the only way. Amen. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man exactly. comes to the Father exactly. except through him. Okay, so it goes on, and he spake as a dragon, tying him with Satan. Okay, so I just want to say, he's got horns like a lamb. Well, this is interesting, because, like I said, he is like an antichrist himself. But he is the false prophet, and he also speaks like the dragon. But how does he do that? Because, well, the enemy comes as an angel of light. Do you see that? Yes. We can't forget that. And we're reminded of this when we look in Matthew 24, 24. And it goes on to say, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible... They shall deceive the very elect, and that elect being the Jews, who are God's elect, okay, at that point. So I just want to say real quick something that the Lord revealed to me. I received my own little revelation recently about this whole concept of the religious spirits. Mm-hmm. With, I would say the false prophet has got the biggest religious spirit going on, wouldn't you? <laughs> yes, absolutely. 
Okay, well, this is something the Lord revealed to me this past week, and I'll share it with the with the listeners. But the Lord showed me that the religious spirit is about a spirit of confusion, Dina. That makes perfect sense. Right. And so let's talk about that for just a minute. The religious spirit is all about a spirit of confusion. And how does that work? Well, it's confusion. It's confusing when you have priests or people in the church who have high up positions who are also molesting little children. Isn't that confusing? Yes, it is. And it's confusing when people uh, present a bad version of religion versus relationship. And there's all kinds of ways that the enemy uses religion to confuse people. And it's going on right now. But it's definitely going to happen during the seven-year tribulation. And will the people follow these guys? Oh, yes, they will. They are like sheep to the slaughter. And they're going to be easy pickings for these guys. And they will follow in huge numbers, these two. Okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So let's go on further. We're verse 12. And he exerciseth. Exercise, boy, that word's hard for me. Exercise of all the power <laughs> of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, that's the Antichrist, whose deadly wound was healed. Okay, so that must have been, that must be impressive to them, because then in verse 13, it says, And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Okay, not a hard thing. I mean, do you remember when Moses was taking on Pharaoh and they threw their staffs down and they all became snakes and everything? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> just way, deception. Yeah Moses, and, yeah, Moses and staff, snake. They ate the other snakes. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's a little strange, but okay, that's how it went. And uh, But I mean, you know, there's, they're going to have their own form of uh, signs and wonders okay and, and the whole uh, purpose is to deceive right deceive right. the people lie to the people because as it is as it will be then ha is how it is now it's all about the souls good right. versus or i should say evil versus good it's all about the souls and this is his final chance you know he, he comes back a second time after the you know, he gets thrown in prison um, after the millennial. But this is his time to get as many souls as he can to go to hell, basically, and deny That's Christ. That's the goal. That's yeah. the goal, Dina. The mm -hmm. goal is to bring, to take out as many as possible. Yeah. And I think everybody should be aware of that goal now. Because this system, the system we're referring to is already taking form, taking shape. Okay. Absolutely. They, you know, technically, I believe that, um, but obviously it's not the time right now, but technically, I think they're ready for this type of deception that we're going to hear about, that you're going to talk about in verse, I'm sorry, I'm get, probably getting ahead of you, in uh, verse, verse 16. This type of uh, technology is available right now. And then, right. Yeah, so. It's all here. It's here, ready to go. It's just a matter of God's timing because the restrainer is still in the earth holding it back. Okay. Yes. So and it so, can't happen while we're here. Right. 
Right. Okay. So, verse 14. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. Okay, and verse 15 says, And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Okay, so this is the timing that this could all take place. Because really, for the first time in history, could you create something that could be broadcast over, you know, networks and televisions all over the world, handhelds, whatever you got, and they can see what's going on. Otherwise, in prior times in history, that wouldn't have been possible. But in this time, we can see the whole world is going to be caught up in this false attempt to rule over the people. But this image is very interesting. Because it's going to be an idol, right, Mm -hmm. that can have the capability of speaking to the people. And that, to me, is very interesting. And we have, you know, they could do that through AI. They could do that through so many different ways. You know, um, it's just very interesting that, yeah, and we have that technology right now. Oh, right. Artificial intelligence and robotics and all sorts of other things like that. And sure, I think they've already done similar things Mm -hmm. through various types of, like we're seeing the virtual reality and and all of those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's such a thing as holographic images. Oh, yes. We've seen some of that going on. And we don't know what the fallen angels who are in league with the Antichrist are going to do and with their, we don't know. We don't know what's going to true. happen. True, very true. Is it going to be otherworldly? Is it going to be technological? I don't think. We well, know, and we're not going to know. We're going to be out of here before that. Well, it'll <laughs> definitely <the> it'll <laughs> definitely be controlled by, by the demonic. It'll be demon-possessed, whatever it is. Definitely, definitely. So, wow, the combination of technology with, you know, the demonic, that's a scary concept. Yes, it is. Yes, it's it is. all coming together. And boy, now, you know, this would be a great time for me to mention that there are platforms now, there are places now that have, that are getting involved in robotics. And we've done reports on this for our end time news reports. And I just want to mention this company, Boston Dynamics. They've created these, some of the robots they have are dog-like and can do some pretty fantastic things for robots, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, most recently, they've been arming those robots with guns, Dina. Oh, boy. Right. And imagine, if you will, something like that being demon-possessed. Definitely do not want to be here to witness that. I think it'll be like that during the, the Great Tribulation. Right. I think that they may utilize that kind of technology on the poor people mm-hmm. who are left behind. And yeah. so I would encourage everyone now, if if you can, please turn your life over to the Lord. This is the time. Amen. But let's uh, take a look at the last three scriptures of this chapter. And we go on and it says in 16, And he causeth all, both small, great, rich, and poor, free, and bond, to receive a mark in their right hands or in their foreheads. 
And 17 says, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And we go forward to 18 and it says, here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast for it is a number of a man and his number is 603 score and six. And what that means is 666, okay? And so we know that that is definitely the number of the Antichrist, is Mm -hmm. 666. And so that is uh, where we come to the close of this chapter 13. And boy, was that a lot going on between those two characters, the two beasts known as the Antichrist and the false prophet. Yes. And something also, um, and I'm getting ahead of you, Susan. Mm Mm-hmm. But um, this mark, you guys, anybody who takes it, there will be no turning back at that time. You will go right. to hell. There, That's right. You're, there will be no compromise. There'll be no, well, God will understand. He knows I got to feed my family. No, 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 no. If a person takes the mark during mm-hmm. that time, because they will also have to worship the image of the beast as well. So if they take mm-hmm. that mark, there will be no saving them. They, no. They, they will be lost forever from Jesus. Now, for right. those that do not take it, mm-hmm. a lot of them will lose their lives for the sake. I would say so. I yeah. would say the majority. Right. And it's definitely could be classified or I would classify it as an unforgivable sin. Absolutely. The mark of the beast. And horrible so. things would, will happen to you. Like as we get further, as Susan teaches us, there's a lot in store for those that take the mark of the beast here on earth and then for eternity right right so accept jesus today and uh you know don't be here for the great tribulation right and also we notice that they take this mark in their right hand and forehead and we know that god when you surrender fully to the lord and to the will of the father and are filled with the holy spirit you are sealed by the lord that's right and so this is a mimicking, a mocking of God. Copycat. Oh, it's a ter- It's terrible. It's he, terrible. He copied it, him by trying to raise from the dead. He is copying him with the mark of the beast. He's a copycat. He can't do anything right. on his own. It, but it's it's a it's a slap in the face of God, a mockery. Yes, it is. Uh, he's taking out God's people or the his creation. And saying, oh, you know, I'll give them my own seal and that will seal the deal in mockery to the seal that God puts on the Christian, the, the, uh, the saint who's the overcomer. And so we can see that this is just pure evil and there's just no way around it. Yeah, it'll be it'll be very hard for those during that time. And um, there will be a lot of evil. You will see things that you have never seen in your entire life or would want to see. And you're going to see a lot of evil during that time that they make people take this mark. You will not be able, just as an FYI, if you have never heard this before, you will not be able to go into a store and to buy a gallon of milk. You will not be able to put gas in your car. You will not be able to pay your mortgage. You will not be able to be paid from your work without this mark. It's going to be literally going to restrict people from living normal lives. That's right. It's going to be a horrible time for the humans on earth. And we want to also indicate to people that we are still in the birth pains 
Uh, we are not in tribulation. <laughs> no, we're not. And if you have any questions about that, please go back and start from the beginning of this series and watch it all the way through, and you'll have a, bit, a greater understanding about why we are not in the tribulation right now. So I implore you to go back into the prior chapters that we've covered and listen to those studies if you want to know the truth about whether we're in tribulation or not. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And you can find that information. I'll have those, um, or I do have those videos on our uh, playlist at Jesus 24 seven. You can also find it on our rumble channel right now. And there will be an announcement soon in regards to a new location in regards to these videos. You can also find it on BitChute. You can also find uh, the podcasts to uh, these teachings on Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple. Susan, was there anything else you wanted to add? No, just to join us as we move into chapter 14. And we have more information to give. We're going to follow this thing all the way to the end and help you to try to get a little bit more understanding about this book and what it's all about. But we thank you so much for joining us. And if you're just joining us now, we implore you to go back and watch the prior videos. Yes, yes, absolutely. And Susan, I want to thank you for um, coming on here and recording with me and explaining these scriptures to everybody. You are such a blessing and it is such an honor to partner with you in getting these videos out. So thank you so much. Well, thank you, Dina, for being the great support you are. And we also, we love it out there. If you guys pray for us, we definitely won't fight it. <laughs> yes, yes, you guys, we would love to have your prayers for us and our families and um, this ministry, Jesus 24-7. So yes, please remember us in your prayers and we are praying for you and we thank you for tuning in to the show and we will see you very soon. God bless. <laughs>